everybody. This is Speak Your Truth Now, and I am joined with my good friend Mallory, and we are going to be talking off the record. Um, if you've listened in in the past, this is basically just a time for us to kind of catch up on the news and things that have been happening, but then also just kind of chill out and discuss other topics that um, might be interesting for people to hear. So with that, we'll kind of go ahead and get started. Uh, Mallory, I I called this off the record because I wanted to talk to you. (laughs) I have several things I want to talk about, but Mm -hmm. I also want to talk about this Facebook article that you sent me Yes, because it's very related to our last episode. And for people who listened in the last time we had Marisa on, she's just kind of joining the workforce and was talking about her concerns around diversity in corporate America and what that looks like. And we had some good conversation around that. But if you kind of want to lay out what the Facebook article generally was saying, then we can kind of like discuss a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So this came out uh, just like four or five days ago, where recently several people, uh, people of color, were interviewing at Facebook for jobs that they were qualified for, and that the interviewer, you know, even said like, "You're qualified for this job. Like, you're perfect. You know, all, you meet all of the qualifications, but there's not a culture fit. You know, you're not a culture fit for our institution." Um, And so what actually happened, um, a group of, I can't remember the exact number, I think I want to say like five or six people who experienced, you know, the same rejection, you know, people of color, you know, not a culture fit, um, they all joined together and they are now working with the Equal Employment Opportunity Office, I believe. Um, Yeah, the EEOC. EEOC, yeah, they're working with the EEOC uh, to, you know, pursue a more formal approach to the discrimination they experienced. So yeah, very, you know, relevant to what we talked about. I mean, I think we even talked about, you know, the culture fit as a, you know, a reason Mm -hmm. people will give for not hiring people of color who are otherwise qualified. Yeah, you're right. We talked about that in that episode too. What's really interesting is, and I won't, I won't try to pretend like I'm an expert on this, but because I've worked in HR we talk a lot about culture in HR. And I think that that's no longer a good thing because Mm -hmm. it is this nebulous thing that we kind of use to define how it is to work for this company. What really, what culture is at an organization is, you know, what are the values of the company? What's their mission? what are their goals? That's really what culture is supposed to be. But as we found, it is misused. Mm -hmm. And it is to the detriment of people who don't fit in with the culture. And I think that's kind of what we have now is we want people in our organizations that think like us, look like us, seem like they could behave in the same ways. And a lot of the times, because we want people that are like us, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, 
we don't get diverse folks into the the pipeline because a lot of those people that are making those hiring decisions are white males in a lot of the mm-hmm. cases or people that subscribe to what the white males in the organization are looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they get their direction from the top and, and they might, you know, be impressed upon that culture is really important and those recruiters already have an idea of of what that what that is code for. <laughs> uh-huh. mm-hmm. So I think that's what really has been happening with this culture thing. And I think we have to like just get rid of it and stop using that term, I guess, just altogether. Yeah, and I think even the Facebook article mentioned that like the recruiters, like, you know, they interviewed all, you know, those people of color. So they were able to, you know, check off the requirements, you know, to say, you know, yes, we did consider, you know, a diverse, you know, talent pool. But ultimately, you know, we decided to go with this person. But look, we met, you know, all the requirements in place for diversity. We talked to everyone we needed to, but we're going with someone that looks like us. Like, why even have diversity initiatives and goals if you're just going to replicate what's already in place? Yeah, I think it's performative. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like we're we're trying to get more people, you know, look at this. Look at how many people we have interviewed that are you know from these underrepresented groups mm-hmm. but then at the end of the day they're still able to just make that normal choice and you know it comes down to culture i'm really surprised that there's hiring managers that are literally telling applicants what i read in there i think one of the people said they were told that there's no doubt you could do the job yeah i remember that yeah, you could do the job. You have all the requirements, but you don't fit with our culture. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, "Whoa, that that's actually happening!" Like, yeah, they're saying <laughs> and they're it actually out loud. telling them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just so interesting. Usually, it's more coded. Like mm-hmm. at places that I've worked in in the past, not currently, but in other places that I've worked, I worked with a lot of hiring managers, and they would say things like. And I just get a feeling about them, like they're going to be really good, like a really good fit. Or, you know, I just feel like this person is just going to do a better job. And it's this subjective thing. And it really is code for culture. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. I think this person's going to get along well with me. I'm their manager. I'm going to be their manager. And I think we'll get along well. Or I'm going to be their manager. And I think they'll get along with the team. And so that's really an issue and why it's so important to have a lot of people in the hiring process that are also helping to make those decisions so Mm -hmm. these things don't happen. Because Facebook technically came out and said, culture fit is not something that we do, but okay, you could say that all day, but if your hiring managers are literally telling people you don't fit in our culture... Then you have a problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. And this is one of those companies that we talked about, too, that has thrown a lot of money at this problem, mm-hmm. at not having enough Black people, Latinx people, um, females. Enough even. women, yeah. Yeah, because of these tech jobs, um, women as well. And, you know, even worse, those numbers are really low when it comes to, like, those upper management and executive roles. And I think the article talked about like a lot of black people leaving Facebook over the last year, just based on a lot of the things that were happening 
politically as well too. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's that's it. We we'll continue to see this kind of stuff all the time, and I'll be interested to see if the e if the EEOC brings a case against Facebook and sues them. You know. Yeah, because there is talk of a lawsuit. If they think they can prove discrimination, there's talk of an official lawsuit. So I'm interested to keep following the story and see what happens there. Yeah, definitely. Um, (laughs) There's a couple of other things that I wanted to talk about. And this next one is a really good story. It allows me to talk about some things that are related to like the George Floyd case, which is going on right now, which... Mm -hmm. I'm trying not to consume too much of. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I, yeah, I, I don't want to talk about it today. I think at some point we'll want to talk about it mm-hmm. and recap everything that happened. Once the verdict has um, come down, I think that I'd be open to, to kind of revisiting that. But there was this story and it seemed to have happened last year, actually. But um, yeah, I think in December, I guess, right? Yeah, in December. And they're just writing about it um, yesterday. So I don't know if this, you know, how this resurfaced, but supposedly in Virginia, there was this lieutenant in Mm -hmm. the army and he was pulled over by cops. He was held at gunpoint and they started yelling at him and things elevated and escalated (laughs) (laughs) and... He had to get out of his car and they like pepper sprayed him and the whole craziness that is caught on camera, I guess. And that's been released for people to like see. But um, what I thought was really interesting about it is how much the the article focuses on explaining and giving us a lot of background on this um, military lieutenant and who he is and how he serves, you know, serves America. And this was no way to be treated. Of course, there wasn't, he wasn't guilty of anything. It was a brand new car that he just purchased. It probably looked like a really nice car. And the cops were interested to see, (laughs) I guess, what was going on and who had this really nice car. And, or maybe they saw this person they didn't expect to be in this nice car. Who knows? But, you know, really, no one should have been treated that way, period. Um, Just being pulled over like that and being held at gunpoint. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine. It's super scary. Once you have someone pointing a gun at you, like, gets real really quick. Yeah. (laughs) And I can't imagine that experience. I can't imagine that happening to me. But I wanted to talk to you about, like, kind of what this phenomena is, you know, where we we have these situations or these um, issues pop up these interactions with the police and we have to like give this whole like lowdown about the victim and what their background is as if we need to justify that they were innocent or that they were a mm-hmm. good person mm-hmm. and just kind of see what you thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I read the article you sent me. It was in the Washington post, I think. And yeah, like it's, it's very interesting because that article was very much framed, like you said, like in terms of his military background, his army background. Um, and it also, it mentioned how um, even he himself, you know, had said to, I can't remember if it was the cops or to the reporter, you know, you know, I, 
you know, I signed up to, you know, fight for this country and I'm being treated like this, like, what the hell is going on? You know, um, I didn't sign up for this when I signed up for the army. Um, and so I think like that, that angle, you know, of coming at it from, you know, well, how could cops treat, you know, this army lieutenant, you know, in this manner, like that, that's kind of missing the point. Um, Cause like who, mm. you know, like who really cares at the end of the day, if, you know, he's an army lieutenant or a teenager or an accountant or works at Wendy's or whatever it might be, you know, that it doesn't matter what kind of person it is. Like no person should have to experience what this guy went through of this stop and, you know, this excessive force. And, you know, he, I mean, he told the cops over and over, I don't want to get out of the vehicle. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel safe. You know, I don't, you know, I don't want to get out of the vehicle. I feel safe in here. Um, Cause, and he even, you know, took his phone out, put it on the dashboard to record the whole interaction. Um, and like, you know, he, I mean, like at the end of the day, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if he's an army lieutenant or not, you know, that, that's, I mean, it shouldn't happen to anyone regardless of your, you know, profession. And it just, you know, it seems like we, we frame it in, you know, in that, in that way where we try to look at it through him being an army professional or an army lieutenant. Um, we frame it and try to look at through it, that lens. And that really, I mean, that takes away from the issue at hand at the end of the day. Right, right. And, um, oh yeah, I remember too why he was pulled over, I guess, because it was, it was a new car and they couldn't see like the license plate or something like that. Yeah, I think he had like the temporary tags like in the back yeah. window or something, something, he had the temporary tags somewhere in the car. Yeah, and things of course escalated very quickly. Um, and yeah, I would be really scared if cops were pointing guns at me as well. Mm -hmm. I don't, I honestly wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's just a kind of a crazy situation to be put into. Yeah. And it, it kind of reminded me of, you know, like George Floyd in a lot of ways because his character is kind of like on trial yeah. with this trial for Derek Chauvin. I think we all realize that. And a lot of us think it's disgusting, but this, this happens, you know, where we try to, try to paint like the perfect victim and mm -hmm. try to say, well, this person didn't deserve it or this person was this or this person was that. And I know like even I think there was like a black congressman that said, I even get pulled over and I'm mm -hmm. a Congress person or whatever. I guess in some instances, I think they're trying to say, Hey, like no one is exempt from this right. happening. Mm -hmm. which I think is good for people to know, but then also that doesn't need to be the story that's told, you know, for why that this shouldn't have happened to them because it really shouldn't happen to anyone. Like you said. Yeah. And you know what you were saying about like, you know, you know, the idea of like the victim, like has to be this like perfect and innocent person. I mean, like we, I mean, if people were saying, you know, over the summer, well, you know, well wasn't, you know, Elijah McClan, you know, who was murdered by cops in Aurora, Colorado, you know, wasn't he, you know, the quote unquote, like perfect or, you know, innocent victim, you know, someone who, you know, I mean, like he played his violin for, you know, stray cats. And, you know, I mean, yeah. we don't, I don't, I don't want to talk too much about that because I will get very emotional about that. But, you know, like we see like time and time again, like, I mean, 
the cops don't care at the end of the day. You know, they, they don't care because they don't see, you know, the person they're interacting with as human. You know, they they don't see them that way. They don't treat them that way. And it doesn't really matter, ultimately. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this. No, I think that's a good point to make is like somewhere along the line, like people forgot that the people that you're interacting with are humans. Like, yeah, <laughs> they're just like you. Like, we're all humans. We're all trying to live our lives and be happy and be safe. And that's really all that it comes down to. I think that one of the people that saw George Floyd um, on the street. And I think he was interacting with George Floyd at the beginning. And he said something along the lines of, you go home to yours and let him go home to his or something like that. And mm -hmm. I think that was like such a simple and easy way to look at and think about our interactions with the cops is like at the end of the day, you want to go home to your family after mm -hmm. you've done your job. And that person that you pulled over, you're having that interaction with, they want to go home too, yep. you know, and live their lives. And so can we just please get to a point where we can have these interactions and then people can leave and move on with their lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There was a cop on TV the other day that was talking a little bit about the uh, Chauvin trial and how he said that humanity is like such a big part of the story that's missing for a lot of cops and we need to start thinking about the people that we're interacting with as humans and just as another person who's part of the same community that we are a part of who just wants to go home yeah i think that's a really good way of putting it i like that i had a really weird interaction that i wanted to talk about too Mm -hmm. um, that happened today. Before I get there, I don't want to forget about Rachel Hollis and her little <laughs> drama that happened <laughs> over the last couple of weeks. So Rachel Hollis, for those who don't know, and I don't know much about her either, is the author of some self-help books. I guess she has like a really big following online. Yeah. She's written quite a few. Yeah. They have like some funny titles or whatever. I'll remember one of them. Girl, Stop Apologizing. I remember that one. I haven't read it mm -hmm. because I think <laughs> several years ago I realized that reading self-help books is not healthy for me. <laughs> I think I went through a self-help book phase and I realized Something's not clicking. And I think it's because these self-help books are all written by white females, maybe. And I just <laughs> yes. White, straight females. And yes. it's not meant for me. So No, no. That's not our genre. Nope. <laughs> and so I have just stayed away from these. So I think this came after my time of self-help book reading. And so I didn't get into this. But... From what I can gather, she is on TikTok as well, and she did a video where she was talking about a nice lady that comes to clean her house and clean her toilets, specifically. Mm -hmm. um, someone commented and said, wow, you're like so unrelatable or something along those lines to her mm -hmm. um, when she told this story, I guess. And it angered her. It made her very upset. 
<laughs> because she just went on like a tirade and just wanted to put this person in their place. What follows is kind of crazy, but it goes somewhere along the lines of, duh, I'm not relatable. Like, I don't want to be relatable. I'm like so amazing and fabulous and I'm doing everything right in my life and I work hard. I work hard for this lady to come clean my toilets. You're not going to make me feel bad about it. I want to be unrelatable and I want to be like these ladies. And then she like lists all these names yes. of these really amazing ladies. Of course, um, some of them are, are women of color and a lot of these women have went through a lot of shit in their lives. <laughs> I think come Harriet out the Tubman is one of them. Like we're talking <laughs> Harriet Tubman comparisons here. <laughs> yes, they had Malala on there. They had Frida Kahlo on there too. They did, yeah. Frida was on there. <laughs> but it was just like, wow, that really escalated. She's and now she's apologizing. Now some people may wonder why why are we canceling this lady or you know what did she do? How is it racist? And so I wanted to bring it up because I think that this happens a lot. And it's a good example of something that may seem innocuous. Maybe she just sounds like a biatch and we just <laughs> go on about our day. Or maybe we like actually look at it a little bit closer and see what else is going on here. And it definitely has its racist tones for sure. And I think that's yeah. why she came out and apologized. Yeah, like the whole story just like reeks of just like white lady privilege and like a white lady like freaking out over nothing and escalating it into nothing when you know I've, I've thought this many a time because I, I have a complicated relationship with Lana Del Rey and her music that we won't get into but you know like as someone <laughs> you know who like you know has again complicated feelings about Lana Del Rey and who you know has seen you know her say and do some sketchy things online you know same with this Rachel Hollis woman if I had as much money as these two women have I would just shut up and mind my business. <laughs> I would just take my money and just be happy living with all of my money that I have. And I would not create all of this drama for myself out of nowhere and somehow make that drama, you know, spice it up with a little bit of racism thrown in too. I I would just mind my money and mind my business. But no, like they, they just keep going at it and keep doing it. And Rachel Hollis just doesn't even, like she doesn't even seem to think twice to compare herself to someone like Frida Kahlo or Harriet Tubman or Malala. Like to think that you are on the same level as those women, it's, it's comical, but it's really not. You know, like when you right. really sit and think about it, it's really up to you know think of yourself on that level you know even if your first reaction is to want to laugh at it because it's absurd because it is mm -hmm. but it's not absurd for this woman like in her head like it's not absurd for her <laughs> right and I love when they try to explain it away and say like well of course I wasn't comparing myself to them like mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not really like an apology it's once again like these like half apologies that people continue to put out into the world when they really aren't sorry about things that they said. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I do want to tell my story because someone asked me a very simple and basic question. And so I think it's good to just bring it up every now and then. But 
when we talk about wanting to change people's minds and hearts about things, how do we convince them that like race is still a problem? Races, um, racism, sexism, all the isms are, are bad. And like, how do I get my friend to realize that while they're a nice and well-meaning person, like they could do better. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that we've talked about is realizing that your experience isn't how everybody else experiences the world. Like everybody has their own way of interacting with the world. And so sometimes people get kind of stuck and they believe that what they experience is what everyone else experiences. And so when they hear things that don't like line up with that, then they're very quick to just dismiss them. And so I think I would tell this person when you're trying to talk to people like this, maybe this is like a good way of like, let's say if we were talking about Brianna Taylor or something like that, maybe instead of getting to into all the nuances about guilty, not guilty, et cetera, things that really don't matter, maybe just ask them, how would you feel if that was your kid? Or how would you feel if that was your sister, your daughter, your mother, et cetera? I think that that kind of helps in a -hmm. lot of cases to deal with these people that are really well-meaning people that aren't hateful and just want to kind of, they they need that extra help. They need that extra dialogue to kind of figure out what they can do and how are they not looking at things um, in in the way that they should be. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of like (laughs) reminds me of two things that I think kind of changed my mind about how I think about having these conversations. The conversations are not as hard as people make them out to be. Having these conversations are awkward and frustrating for a lot of people to just continue to have to have them which I think is where I get hung up a lot of the time is I just get tired of having the conversations and I want someone else to explain to everybody like (laughs) why they should be racist like come on like I'm just kind of burnt out on it but this I learned about these two things and it helps me um to kind of stay on track about how I think about having these conversations But the first thing is to assume that everyone has good intentions. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to have these conversations about people, you have to give them um, the benefit of the doubt that they're not trying to be negative. They're not trying to um, trying to be hateful or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But let's have the conversations in good faith. And the second thing that I think is important, but, um, I think is the most important one for other people is let's assume that people don't want to or don't like to complain and have a target on their back. I think that's a really big Mm -hmm. one for when you have these conversations with white people Um, Mm -hmm. because we hear a lot of the time people are just complaining or like there's no way that that happened to them. Like they, that didn't happen to them or that wasn't mm-hmm. racist, like, or they're exaggerating. Let's get to a point where we just assume that people have these experiences and they're relaying them to you. Mm-hmm. And let's not be so quick to, to jump to the, the judgment that, you know, this isn't true. It couldn't happen. Let's assume that 
most people don't want to get their feelings hurt and don't want to have to go around and explain how all these racist, sexist, et cetera, things are happening to them. Mm. And I think that's kind of helped me, you know, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I really like that. Cause I, I've heard, um, at least the first one, you like assume everyone has good intentions. Like I, I've heard that one before and I, I've tried to use it myself as well. Uh, but I, I really like the combination of the two, you know, assume that, you know, everyone has good intentions and also that, you know, no one, you know, deliberately puts a target on their back or wants to be a victim. Um, I think, I think that's a very, that's a helpful way for, laying i guess a more neutral ground for a conversation if that makes sense you know because it mm -hmm. feels like you're coming at it from a place of respect and good intentions and you know trying to honor what that person is telling you and saying um yeah so like i i wish i had like something better to say than like I like that approach but like I know I, I do really <laughs> like that like that combination I think is very helpful because you know the these conversations can still be so tense and uncomfortable for people um and I think you know it's it's better for everyone involved if you know you just assume you know everyone's coming from a good place and not trying to be, you know, combative with you or anything like that, or lying to you, like, just, I mean, again, like what we were saying, you know, before, like, just, like, respect other people's humanity, you know, they want right. to get home to their family, you want to get home to your family, like, how, how have we gotten, like, so far away from just these basic considerations of good faith and respect and, you know, recognizing each other's humanity, like, how how is that no longer a given? I don't know. Right. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to be comfortable with calling out like racism and things like that. And I think this also comes to play there as well. Um, like when I think about my life and I thought about this today after this interaction that I had, I don't think that I've ever called somebody out for doing something racist towards me. Mm -hmm. um, I've had comments. I've given comments when I've thought that something was racist that someone said um, that wasn't directed towards me or sexist. I've done that mm -hmm. before, but I've never called someone out who has done something that I think is hurtful to me. Mm -hmm. And that's really because you don't want to be the complainer. You don't want to look like... Um, you're you you know you don't want to complain you want to just like do what people expect of you and go about your day and um today I accidentally <laughs> called someone out as being racist and oh, no. this just speaks to you like how mortified I was and how uncomfortable I was because after it happened like I wanted to apologize I wanted to hide I wanted to make excuses mm -hmm when it was probably very valid what I had to say. Mm -hmm. But once again, it's like keeping this in mind, like people don't go around in the world expecting racist things to happen to them. Like, yeah, you know, people in under, you know, 
underrepresented groups or in, you know, minority groups. I don't, not as much, I don't like to say that as much, but people who are in these groups, they don't go around trying to gather these um, experiences so that they can throw them at, in the faces of other people. But I had an appointment <laughs> Mm-hmm. to get my eyebrows waxed. I'm going to be, I'm just going to be really honest and tell the story, even though I'm mortified as I'm telling it. Um, I shouldn't be mortified. And you're going to make me feel better about this. <laughs> All right, yes. <laughs> you're tell me <laughs> so I am like a very impatient person in general in life. It's not fair because I am impatient with others and I expect people to be timely and I don't give that back, honestly, sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so this is something I've been working on. So just to be honest about that. So I had this appointment. I expect that when I show up to the appointment, I'm going to get my eyebrows waxed and then I'm going to go about my day um, and everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. So I show up to this place on time and I've been here before been there four, five, six times probably. Um, so haven't had an issue for the most part, but usually there's always someone at the door, close to the door. So when I came in today, I came in a little bit early, like one or two minutes early. Mm-hmm. And I stood there and I could see a woman doing someone's nails about 10 feet away from me, facing me. And there was another woman probably 20 feet um, from me, farther away, doing a lady's um, feet, doing like a pedicure or something. And I said, hi, you know, like in like a small voice, because I don't want to like bother anybody. (laughs) (laughs) And nothing happened. And so I just stood there. And I just started like making noise because, you know, you like want people to see you, but you don't want to be disruptive. Right. So I got my keys out and I'm like trailing my keys, (laughs) (laughs) making eye contact with the lady that's closest to me or trying to make eye contact with her um, because she's not looking at me, but surely she can hear me. And I know that she can hear me because I'm trailing my keys very loudly and not in a rude way, but just. It, the, the the noise was loud and I knew that she would be able to hear me or the lady behind her would be able to hear me or the lady whose nails she was doing would hear me. Someone would hear me and someone, someone. would acknowledge that I was there. <laughs> nothing, nothing. I, I walk over and sit down in a chair very loudly, mm-hmm. kind of move it a little bit so it scratches the ground. And then I get my phone out. I cough a couple times. <laughs> I get a up, choice walk in around. These times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, surely this will work. <laughs> yeah, and I had, and I did have my mask on, so I was following all the rules. Um, so they weren't ignoring me because I was being bad. Um, so I had my mask on, coughed, got up, walked around, dragging my feet, twirled my keys again continued to troll my keys. And then at this point, I did all of these noise, noisy things mm-hmm. for like 10 minutes. Oh, shit. Yeah. About five minutes in, I was texting Eric, my husband, and I was like, um, 
I don't know what to do. Like, I think I might leave because I haven't been acknowledged as a person yet. Like, (laughs) and I feel really weird about that. And I didn't know why, but I was almost 100% sure that someone heard me. Someone heard me in that place. Surely, yeah. Yeah, someone heard me and they were all, they could look up and their eyes would see me, literally. So I was just very like concerned and confused. But then I was like, I just want to leave because I just want to go about my day and I don't want it to be weird. I just want to leave. So, Mm -hmm. but I was like, well, I should probably stay. So I stayed. And then, yeah, I got to be like the 10 minute mark, which is really weird. And so then I got this really weird idea that I would call the salon Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like someone would like hear the phone and like come over to the phone Uh, and then they would see me. Uh Yeah. And I just hang up. So like, (laughs) so it's not weird. Like, (laughs) So I'm like, I'm going to call the salon. They're going to get up and they're going to, going to see me there and everything's going to be fine. I call and I don't hear it. I don't hear the phone going off. And so I was like, oh, that's weird. I'm just going to hang up. Like this didn't work. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to leave. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Then I get a text from the number that I called mm-hmm. for the nail salon place that said, this is, uh, I'm not going to say the name of the place. This is blah, 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 nail salon, um, you know, texting me. How can I help you? And I said, oh, um, I don't need any help. I'm actually just here for an appointment. I think I called you on accident. Mm-hmm. That's what I said. <laughs> and I said that. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to leave now. And so I'm going to the door and I'm texting Eric, you know, I'm just going to leave. These two women come up to the door. They're quiet. They haven't, they're not talking. Mm-hmm. And they walk in and they're very close to me. And the lady looks up. That was the closest to me the whole time. What? And she gives them the warmest welcome. What? That you would ever, like, it was probably a normal welcome, but to me it was like the warmest <laughs> welcome ever. Because <laughs> I've been standing in your business, your place of business for 10 minutes making obnoxious noise and no one has said a word to me and they just in you know they just welcomed this lady in with open arms and or these ladies they were both two white middle-aged ladies mm-hmm. and it was all about oh why are you here and oh we're gonna do your nails oh great oh great oh great and then i texted i texted eric wow, these white ladies just walked in and got a really like warm welcome. I'm just going to go. And then the lady finally looks over at me mm-hmm. and she's like, why are you here? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm here for an eyebrow wax. And she said, oh, okay, you can sit down. And I said, oh, yeah, I was sitting down. I've been here. And she didn't say anything. And she just like went back and she said, okay, I can, I can take you now. And I stayed, I stayed, I stayed and got my little eyebrow wax or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I looked down at my phone. I realized that I had texted the nail salon instead of Eric. 
my little comment about the two white women walking in and getting a warm welcome. <laughs> Can you imagine like how like I was so mortified because I realized it and it was too late to leave when I realized it. Oh, and I, no. <laughs> this lady was like, she wasn't the lady that was texting. She was a lady that had been ignoring me. I let her do my eyebrows. Like it was weird. All the while knowing that someone knows that I have <laughs> basically called them racist. <laughs> someone in the building and I'm like, surely they're going to come out and see like what the hell's happening. No, it didn't happen. But the whole time I was freaking out. I was like sweating. Oh no. I was mortified. I was so mortified that when it was done, I told the lady I wanted to pay in cash. She said, no, that's fine. You can pay with a card. And I said, no, I want to pay in cash. And I went right next door to the ATM and got mm -hmm. her cash. And I wanted to give her cash because I didn't want my card to be rung up and for them to see my name in the system and to match me to the person mm -hmm. who called <laughs> and the appointment that was made with my name. And I didn't want them to know that I called them racist. <laughs> so I went and got cash. <laughs> so it couldn't be tied to Trace. me, which it totally could be tied to me. <laughs> yeah. That's got your phone Because numbers. I was the only person with a wax appointment, I'm sure, at the time. <laughs> and I texted them with my phone number. And that's the same phone number that was on the appointment. <sighs> and I left. No one, no one you know, interacted with me or anything like that. I blocked the number because I didn't want to know what would happen or what would be said to me. But isn't that so horrible that I felt like an idiot? I felt horrible. I felt like I needed to apologize because I made an observation that probably could be true mm -hmm. in some form or another. And the fact that I felt so badly about it. I think just speaks to like the experience of a lot of people that mm -hmm. they don't want to experience racist, sexist, et cetera, things. And so they make excuses up, you know, for that and they don't confront. And if they do confront, I'm sure it feels bad for some people or like me, you accidentally confront <laughs> and you're, you're terrified of what's going to happen. Isn't that the most ridiculous thing ever? Yeah, I mean, like, like you just wanted to get your eyebrows waxed. <laughs> like, you just wanted to, you made an appointment, you just wanted to show up for the appointment, have them rip some hairs off of your face, and go about your day, <laughs> and live your life. And, you know, not, you know, not feel embarrassed, because, you know, two women who were working in the salon, you know, refused to acknowledge you. Like, like that's completely on them if anything like they should feel embarrassed you know not you like i mean in an ideal world you know they should feel some sort of guilt and shame for their actions not you who just wanted to get your eyebrows done and go home yeah and but, i don't i don't know what would have what came of the situation or what did or if you know the person that got it um followed up with those ladies to like see like whoa what the heck happened here or you know like what i don't know and i didn't want to know but yeah i felt felt bad about it and it was like so weird because it's like wow like i feel bad that and, and you know 
I felt like an idiot because obviously like the text went to the wrong people. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, damn it. Like people are always, you know, people are always scared of that happening in real life. Yes, That's why I yes. usually don't I'm talk shit about people. I'm terrified of that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because <laughs> I don't want to accidentally like have that go out to someone or the wrong person. But I, you know, it was one of those days where I was just like, you know, I just sent it and didn't really realize who it was going to. But anyways, so just remember that people that I think the majority of us don't don't want to confront. The majority of us don't want to to be victims at all. In fact, we want to bend over backwards and apologize to other people (laughs) when they do rude things to us. Yeah, that was a little weird and a little crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, people people just want to go out and live their lives as simply as possible. That's all they want to do, really. It's that simple, people. Yeah, so that's my fun story uh, about today and about <laughs> racism and just being an odd person as well. So I know you wanted to talk about the pandemic and kind of what's going on there and what we're kind of like looking forward to doing and things like that. So let's talk about that now. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the reason I have been thinking about like sort of like the end of the pandemic and like things I'm looking forward to and not looking forward to is because I got my vaccine last week or I guess earlier this week, it's Saturday. Uh, So I got my shot on Tuesday. Uh, I got the Johnson and Johnson. So in two weeks, less than two weeks now, I will be fully vaccinated, ready to live my life, but probably not quite at a hundred percent after two weeks. But anyway, um, so yeah, so I've been thinking about, you know, what, I'm looking forward to now that like I can like see on the horizon like having a mm-hmm. life again. Um and yes, so like let's live vicariously or let's live vicariously through you right now. <laughs> yes, yes. Um so like I mean like there's the obvious stuff that I think like everyone is looking forward to, right? Like concerts and you know what we all took for granted, like, you know, um, seeing your friends indoors, like, I can't wait to have friends in my apartment, finally. Um, So, like, obvious things like that are, you know, things I'm looking forward to, but, like, even little things, just, like, you know, like, whenever you decide, like, last minute that you want to make something for dinner and you don't have the ingredients for it, so you, you know, run to the store last minute, I can't mm-hmm. wait to do that because, like, it's finally starting to get warm here. Like, it's finally spring. And so, like, I'm in the mood for, like, fresh fruit, fresh veggies, salads, like, all that sort of stuff. And the other night I was like, man, I would love to just, like, run to the store and, like, go get some salad and a whole bunch of veggies and just make, like, a huge epic salad for dinner. I was like, ah, but I can't do that. I already went to the grocery store this week. I already used up my, you know, once a week Trader Joe's. Oh you know, errand Mm -hmm. I get to run, so I can't do that. But, like, like just little things, like, just little teeny tiny things like that of deciding last minute on a Saturday that I want to make a salad for dinner and walking to the store to do that. Like, like little Mm -hmm. things like that are what I'm really looking forward to. Like, things that, like, I completely took for granted before. Like, now I can't wait to just, like, improvise a meal. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. What about you? What are you dreaming of? Well, you know what? I think the first thing that I thought about was 
it's just going to be great when I get the vaccine because I will no longer have to be scared of dumb people mm-hmm. um, who don't want to get the vaccine and who may have COVID and then they're out there trying to sp- spread it to people. So I'm just going to feel so, so great once I have the vaccine because not only have I done my part for the community as a whole, but I will be safe <laughs> yes, from the yes. bad decisions of others. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's been the hardest like through a lot of this pandemic is um, being out in California, we've been very strict and um, we've been locked down a lot more than anywhere else other than yeah. New York, really. it's It's been hard. Like, it's been hard for everybody. Yeah. But we haven't had a lot of good things. We didn't. We didn't have a lot of good things happening um, in our area, and things have been very slow with the vaccine, too. I'm just ready to just have it and to not be concerned with the people that are not doing what they're supposed to do in general. Mm-hmm. I'm just tired of that fear and the the control thing, too. Like, you can't control other people. You can't make them do the right things. And that's like so, mm-hmm. it's such a helpless feeling. Yes. You know? Yes. Especially for over so, a year now. Yeah. And, you know, that's why I went on the whole, the whole shebang about California is like we were doing all the right things, mm-hmm. but we're trying to do all the right things, but there's still people out there that aren't doing the right things in California. Yeah. Like, you know, we had the mask mandate. We, we had all these strict lockdowns, but people still weren't you know acting right and so it's just just goes to show that um it's it's been a rough year i think for a lot of people yes i'm just ready to start planning like my my trips and stuff like me and you are both like big trip people yes yes and so i'm just ready i'm ready to i'm like bought like a freaking journal to like write all my like trip stuff in nice like, nice <laughs> like something about just putting it on a pad of paper and like writing mm-hmm. it out just like seems like so therapeutic to me mm-hmm. i started looking up <laughs> tattoo artists in denver earlier this week and started uh... following new people and one of my girls from atlanta she moved out here to denver several years ago and i'm waiting for her to open her books up again because i want to see her again but like i'm finding new tattoo artists like i'm starting to think about like new tattoos i want to get like it's so mm-hmm. close <laughs> it's so i i can yeah. taste it it's so close yeah, send me those um, details too, because yeah. yeah, I've been thinking yeah, about will. that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's someone that there's someone I definitely want to go see. I want to get a tattoo by Sausage. And uh, yeah. have you heard of him? Yeah. Yeah, I I've watched all of Ink Master, Amanda. Have I you? you know this about me? I've seen every season of Ink Master. It is unironically <laughs> one of my favorite shows. I'm so sad it's gone. <laughs> I'm glad that you said that because I've watched every single episode of Ink Master as well. (laughs) And not many people know that. But yes, I have watched every single episode. I love sausage. I need a tattoo by sausage. I don't care what that tattoo is, Mm -hmm. but I need it. And he's in Vegas right now. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. By the time I get the shot, he may actually be moving though because... He announced recently that his 
tattoo shop is opening a new location in Salt Lake City. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, and it sounds like he's going there from what I could gather. So, and it doesn't matter. Like, I just need to know when and where he's wherever he is mm-hmm. and that I have a vaccine and that I'm just going to go. <laughs> yeah, book the flight, book the appointment, yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, I'm just ready to do that. So, yeah, tattoos are another thing that I've been thinking a lot about, yes. too. So what are you looking forward to not doing? Is there anything? You know this about me, but, you know, I, I don't like big crowds. I don't like a lot of people. And so, like, having, like, you know it be government mandated to reduce the capacity and you know rest not i haven't been going to restaurants but like in um, grocery stores and trader joe's and stuff like that's been like i i don't want to be around big crowds again i don't even really want to be around people again like i really like having like the six feet bubble you know all around Mm me i feel like during like the last year like all of like my introvert time and like all of the stuff I do at home to recharge my my social batteries like all of that has been more accepted well first of all at least like knowing what it is it's like yes you know yes I'm isolating and quarantining of course I'm doing that but this is also just how I spend my Friday nights usually right um and Mm -hmm. so like once you know more people get vaccinated and more and more things open up and life you know returns to more and more normal you know we're not gonna have that sort of like that built-in excuse of I'm sorry I can't do that with you tonight I need to recharge my introvert batteries you know I'm just socially exhausted and drained I need to not talk to anyone for like 24 hours and so like I I feel like my introvert batteries have really charged up this last year and Mm -hmm. they probably will never be able to charge like this again (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I feel you on that too I I definitely like it's weird I like it's not that I like being at home I'm not so much a homebody at all but I don't really get a lot of energy from being around a lot of people like it like Mm -hmm. you said it's something that you have to recharge from and I deal with that a lot too and like you said with COVID we haven't really had to navigate that as much it's kind of just been easy to just have that time and not have to make excuses. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm 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 really bad about that. And I probably should I think the COVID has helped me because you said it's been normalized a little bit. So I think it's helped mm-hmm. me to kind of be more comfortable with that fact. I think a lot of my life I've been trying to like make myself more social. Mm-hmm. And like, why is it so hard for me? Like, why is it so awkward? Like I'm awkward and like I have like a time limit too. Like I can't be like with people for like hours and hours and hours either. Uh-huh. And so like <laughs> I'm constantly having to like make an excuse to like get home early when mm-hmm. there's like people hanging out and stuff. But I think I'm getting to the point where I'm more comfortable that I can probably tell people yeah, the truth. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm an introvert. So I'm going to leave now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And I think that that's okay. I think that'll be a healthy and a good thing for me to do too. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. Once things are open back up and things like that, I definitely have people that I want to hang out with. Yes. And reconnect with. And I think it'll be really fun um, to do those things. And 
I kind of get like a reset, you know, where I can like just set expectations around like mm-hmm. how social I am and just yes. let people know like that this is how yes. I've always been. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. Set those this boundaries. This is what you can expect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So any, any self-care suggestions for people or anything to do? I know people are really bad about taking care of themselves, especially when we're going through like really stressful times like this. And sometimes people are having to like make a really conscious effort to spend some time like with themselves or by themselves or doing something for themselves. Um, and I think I've gotten really good at the self-care um, over <laughs> over the course of the pandemic. Yes. I have learned a lot of things about myself, but I've definitely um, gotten better about um, allowing myself to do things that I normally wouldn't. And I think that that's a good thing. Yeah, like I, you know, like one of the benefits to me, for me, you know, of the last like year has been, you know, well, sometimes too much time, but a lot of time to, you know, focus on myself and like, think about like, what do I want? What do I need? How do I interact with the world? How, how can I, you know, shape my world in such a way that it, you know, works as best as it can for me. And so like that, it's been nice to have that time the last year. At times it's been Mm -hmm. too much time. Um, Sometimes you don't need to spend quite so much time lost in your thoughts when you already spend a lot of time lost in your thoughts. But yeah, just like even like just even like just doing like new and different little like small things for yourself that just make you happy. I mean, like, like I'm looking over to the left because I, I bought some sunflowers from Trader Joe's last week because I go there almost every week and I see the flowers. I'm like, oh, those are so pretty, but they're just going to die. Why would I waste my money on them? And then finally last mm-hmm. week, I was like, you know what? It would brighten my days to have, you know, sunflowers in my apartment every day. Like, you know, the weather's nice. The sun's out longer. I'm going to buy the sunflowers for myself. And like, just like That's even something as, li- as little as that, that is going to die. Although they're still hanging on strong. It's been a week and like only one of them is like starting to look a little sad. But yeah, just like small, you know, little new and different things to do for yourself that make you happy. I think that's been really important for me the last year. Yeah, that's a good one. I like the flowers one because I've always been a person where I've like rejected flowers. Like I don't like flowers. Like Mm -hmm. it's a waste of money. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like they just die or whatever. But Mm -hmm. yeah, like now we're like trying to plant more. Um, so we've actually started trying to grow like some herbs and stuff like that. So that's been fun. And we kind of got over the excuses that we were making about how like we're not, we don't have green thumbs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're like, but we want fresh things and we yeah. pay too much for like mint and cilantro and cilantro stuff like that. that just goes bad yeah. before you could use it. Yeah, like a bunch. Like, who is going to use a whole bunch? Right. Like, it's not a thing. I mean, unless you have, like, a family, you know. Yeah. You know, if you have, like, a big family or whatever. But, yeah, it's like, we're never going to make it through this bunch. Or if you, you know, if you need, like, um, if you need, like, mint or basil or something like that and you can't find, like, a good 
portion of it you get the little the little package of it yes yes and i have like one of those over ridiculously there, yeah. expensive it's like four dollars yeah. and like half of them are already bad <laughs> yeah yes yes it's crazy <sighs> and it's like how about i just grow these if it doesn't work it doesn't work it's okay like at least we tried mm-hmm. so i think we've gotten better about like trying new things and to just stop making excuses i also had another rule too that i totally did away with in covid and eric will probably correct me if this is wrong but throughout my whole life i've tried to never buy something that wasn't on sale Mm -hmm. this doesn't stop this doesn't count for groceries of course but if i'm doing like clothes or anything like that there's always a sale like it's always i used a coupon or it was already on sale or I got free shipping mm-hmm. and like justified it in my head that way. <laughs> um, but I've always been like that because it, it makes it okay for me to like buy things. But in this pandemic, I bought things that were not on sale. Definitely Ooh. not on sale. <laughs> <Nice>. like, <laughs> expensive and not on sale. <laughs> and that was hard, but it made us happy. And the things continue to make us happy. And they're things that like, are gonna last and stuff like Mm -hmm. that and you know even if they weren't gonna last it's you know that's not even the point but it makes it better in my head if it's gonna last a long time yeah (laughs) exactly but yeah i think that's been good for me too is like sometimes you just want the thing and are you gonna deny yourself the thing because it's twenty dollars too expensive in your head for like years and years are you just gonna go ahead and just buy it yeah just be happy just do it what the heck (laughs) (laughs) like i would literally do that like i'm not gonna buy this until it goes on sale and i've had Mm -hmm. trackers like price trackers for for myself and it's like oh this thing went on sale finally i set this price tracker like 10 years ago (laughs) like (laughs) now i can finally buy it (laughs) it's like what like it it went down like 20 dollars. like how silly is that like Mm-hmm. well maybe that's a sign that i didn't really need it but if you need a thing it's not on sale you should just get it and yeah that's what i'm telling myself now yeah i've tried i've been trying to teach myself that one too if you really want something then you should be willing to pay full price for it theoretically mm-hmm. even though, i mean it's hard but you know there's like i could get it 20 percent off why wouldn't i wait but if you something you really want and really need then it's worth the money yeah the time Sometimes the time is mm-hmm. now, like you want yes. it now and that's when it's going to make you happy. So just make it happen. <laughs> and I will say there is one self-help book that actually I do like. So I'm not saying that all self-help books are bad, but I do like a Marie Kondo book and uh, I do keep that in my home. And that has brought me good. a lot of joy. A lot yeah. of joy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So not all self-help books are bad, but yeah. As but most a, of them. Yeah. If you're looking to, to do some self-care, stay away from the self-help books. Yeah. <laughs> that was Don't a nice way to, to tie everything advice. together. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'll go ahead and let you go because I'm going to get ready to get my vaccine. Yay. Yeah, so we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I'm excited, and I'm pumped, and 
then I'll probably even have more things that I want to talk about that I can do once yes. it's actually <laughs> happened. Mm-hmm. And I have my two-week period, and then I'm just going to be gone. I'm gone. Yeah, I'm gone. <laughs> Leave in the house. Yeah. They're like, where did Amanda go? <laughs> she is gone. Well, I'm glad we got to talk, because I was like, yeah, yes, it's been me a while. Too. It hadn't been, been that time, long, yeah. though. <laughs> I, I don't, time is not real anymore. We've talked about this before, but time is not real. Time does not exist anymore. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. It's it's <laughs> fake. It's not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I think we should do this again very soon. Of course, we have episodes planned for the future around some big topics, things that are happening right now that we want to talk more about. Um, but it may be that it's just not the right time or we want to talk about them with someone and invite someone onto the episode. Um, that maybe could speak better to that topic. So things are definitely in the works. Um, so keep a lookout for that. Hopefully in the next several weeks, we'll have something new coming out. So I will say goodbye and thank you all for listening. And bye everyone. Bye.